Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Lincoln Journal Stars Life in the Red podcast. As always, Luke Mullen and Amy Just here. Lots of sports to break down. Volleyball, men's basketball, women's basketball, a little football update at the end. Uh, but of course, those several of those sports in season, very, very big matchups this last week. Um, a lot going on. A lot of that happened, of course, in Lincoln. Uh, and want to jump right into it, of course, uh, volleyball's NCAA tournament run. Uh, we got the chance to preview it all. Make sure to check out that episode uh, with Brent Wagner if you haven't seen it yet. We talked uh, path to a national title, and that, of course, started this weekend. Um, Nebraska winning its two opening round matchups. Uh, the the first one, 3 nothing over Long Island. That was an interesting one because a, a really close third set in that one. Yeah, Nebraska just didn't look like itself in that third set. Um, and Long Island is really different uh, compared to the Big Ten teams that they face. Uh, there's a lot more physicality in the Big Ten, whereas Long Island is just a lot more athletic and but not as tall. So just a completely different type of matchup there. And Nebraska has struggled with it, but they prevailed. Yeah, they got pushed a little bit, but still, you know, standard three-set victory. Uh, Merritt Beeson, very, very steady in that one. Eight of the 15 kills there in the third set to lead Nebraska at the end. And an interesting thing, Maggie Mendelson got a lot of time there at middle blocker, hadn't played in a little bit. Yeah, that uh, really didn't surprise me. They're the longer that Nebraska's run continues, the more depth that they're going to need. So based off of matchups and just getting Maggie some playing time, uh, they threw her in there and she played really well. Yeah, this feels like the classic like John Cook masterclass where like a player who, you know, is only played in like small moments, you know, like they'll come along strong, you know, later in the tournament, like he always feels like he always has a plan for the roster uh, that we we don't always see until later on. Yeah, no, it didn't surprise me that she played. Um, They could very well need her down the stretch, uh, especially if one of the middles is having a rough day, got to, you know, have the opportunity to sub her in, um, maybe. So got to keep everybody ready. And I think that was part of Cook getting her ready for the potential that she'll need to play down the stretch. Good point. Yeah, definitely. And next matchup against uh, the second round, Nebraska playing against Missouri. Another 3-0 win, 25-14, 25-19, 25-21, those three sets. Uh, Nebraska officially punching its ticket uh, to the Sweet 16 for the 12th season in a row. Big-time achievement there. Uh, well done, of course. And the way that they got it done, Huskers hit 264, held Missouri to .089 hitting. Beck Alec, eight blocks, a really good defensive performance overall. Yeah, yeah. Becca came back in after uh, not playing the day before and really came out and played really well defensively. Uh, when she was given the opportunity on offense, she played well too. Uh, that's one of the concerns that I had from that one is just Nebraska was out of system so much against Missouri that they really didn't go to the middle. So Andy Jackson and uh, Becca Alec didn't have a whole lot of opportunity uh, for swings, but hoping that'll change this week. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah, Merritt Beeson also very efficient in that yes. one. She's been an efficient hitter all season, certainly was the case this weekend. Uh, so Nebraska taking care of business, uh, advancing to the Sweet 16. Uh, those will be hosted, of course, in the Devaney Center as well. Uh, the matchups for that, uh, these are the AVCA rankings. Number one, Nebraska playing number 12, Georgia Tech, 1 p.m. Thursday. That's kind of a 
it a is, rough, it rough is, time slot. It is, but beggars can't be choosers. Um, you look at all of the gripes about the first and second round matches. Yeah, they were at good times, but they were all on ESPN Plus because ESPN had other programming that they were airing, like the Women's College Cup matches, which are the final four for women's soccer, um, and then some other things going on. And so when ESPN wants to give the attention and air eight matches on one day, you only have so many time slots. So, look, I'm not defending ESPN here. I do not like having the number one team in the country play at 1 p.m. I am with the fans on that. But what are you going to do, right? Yep. There's only so much airtime to get these matches on. And yeah, you got to start at 11. And Creighton is playing in that 11 a.m. game like Nebraska did last year in the Sweet 16 when they were playing Oregon in Louisville. So there's no real winning here. Somebody has to play in those early matches if they do want to keep doing this. Sweet 16 every match on the same day and then the Elite Eight, all four of those matches on the same day. But yeah, no. Look, I hate it too, but if we want these matches to be televised, we got to put them somewhere. Yeah, it is It is great to get the national TV broadcasts. And, you know, I was thinking, you know, it, it stinks for the fans that, you know, are going to be trying to, you know, figure out what they need to do to get to the Devaney. But, Take a long lunch, everybody. But it's, it's great for everybody else who's going to be, you know, maybe at work, need to kill some time, watch a little volleyball action. That sounds like a, a pretty good... Thursday afternoon to me. And of course, that Nebraska-Georgia Tech matchup, that'll be followed by the other Sweet 16 matchup in the region. Number nine, Arkansas, number eight, Kentucky, uh, 3.30 p.m. Those two matchups, winners, uh, advance to the Elite Eight. That will be played Saturday, 5 p.m. See how that shakes out. But of course, Nebraska did play Kentucky earlier in the year, but both them and Arkansas having great seasons. So Yeah, and Kentucky, uh, like we talked about in the podcast with Brent last week, uh, yes, Nebraska played Kentucky earlier this season, but Kentucky just looks like an entirely different team now. Um, They've been really hot, and either one of those teams uh, will be a tough matchup for Nebraska. Yeah, be very interesting. If Nebraska wins on Thursday. <laughs> I know, I was going to say, we're, you know, we're, we're still in that hypothetical range, uh, but obviously it's at the point in the tournament where these matchups do get very difficult, um, you know, as opposed to those first two sweeps that Nebraska pulled out could be um, a little bit tougher test uh, this upcoming weekend. Again, Thursday, Saturday, those two matchups there as Nebraska continues its NCAA tournament run. But some honors to uh, talk about here, of course, there's been a lot. You know, we talked about the Big Ten Awards last week. Well, this time the AVCA regional uh, honors were announced on Tuesday. And several Huskers, Merritt Beeson, Lexi Rodriguez, Becca Alec, Harper Murray, Bergen Riley, and Andy Jackson all made the all-region team, uh, which means they're eligible for All-American status. Yeah. Uh, it's been a while since they've had six. Um which is crazy. Uh, John Cook also coach of the year for the region. Um, so he's up for national awards again as well. Uh, and then with Beeson, she was a player of the year for the region and Harper Murray was freshman of the year for the region. So incredible showing for them, not a surprise. Um, but yeah, they keep, they keep going. And for those curious, uh, Wisconsin is in the Northeast region, not the North region. Yeah. 
I was going to say, you know, you're having a pretty good year when you've got pretty much the whole, you got the whole starting lineup there on the, uh, on the all region team. So really, uh, really well done for all those players. Again, fantastic seasons. We talked about that a little bit more in depth last week, but make sure to uh, follow along. Of course, Brent and Amy will be there, uh, you know, making sure that this, uh, the Sweet 16, perhaps Elite Eight, well covered. So that action will take place again at the Devaney Center. But some basketball updates, women's basketball and men's basketball teams, uh, both some important non-conference matchups taking place. Uh, for the women's basketball team, it was a 2-0 week, uh, went 77-53 over Florida Atlantic and 80-72 victory over Georgia Tech. Uh, that FAU win, Great, great game from the bigs. Alexis Markowski, 18 points, 10 boards, and Natalie Potts, 12-12. Uh, both double-doubles from from the both of them in that win. Yeah, Natalie Potts has been really fun to watch. Um, and Alexis has been too, right? But just seeing a freshman be able to ball out um, the way that she is, like Alexis did her freshman year, I was uh, gonna say that, has, yeah. <laughs> has been really cool. Um, and they've both been really important to what Nebraska's been doing. Yeah, I think it's great to see, too, because I feel like there's a lot of pressure on Markowski at times like last year. And in the past, you know, just as that dominant post player that was like, you got to be out there, you know, the whole game rebounding. I mean, Potts is rebounding at a high level, big interior presence as well. So they worked very well together, um, but it was a different type of challenge there against Georgia Tech. Uh, really ugly shooting start. Nebraska trailed 42 to 27 in the third quarter uh, before ripping off a massive 40-15 run uh, that put them up by 10. It was, you know, close end of things. But how about the effort um, that they showed to overcome that that really tough shooting start? Yeah, I was at that game. I got there at the end of the first quarter, and the the vibes in PBA were not great. Um, and they it continued to not do well. Um, and then Alexis Markowski at halftime uh, really challenged everybody uh, to come out the second half really hot, and they did. At one point, they scored 13 of 14 baskets. It was nuts. I have not seen anything quite like that in a very long time. And they were just taking smart shots, and they were being really disciplined with what they were doing, and Georgia Tech just could not figure it out. Um, Nebraska's defense was also really good during that run. They switched things up. Uh, which proved to be um, a tougher matchup uh, for Tech. And yeah, it was nuts. A great, great win for them. And cherry on top, Josh Shelley scored her 1,000th point as a Nebraska Cornhusker uh, with a circus shot. So go figure. (laughs) Yeah, going into the record books, uh, she also led all players 22 points in that one, made a trio of three. So did Logan Nisley, um, 11 points off the bench. And like you said, that was a huge win, like, if you're thinking tournament time, you look back, that's a that's a win that you need for your tournament resume. Very important in Nebraska now, sitting at 6-2 and two on the year. Uh, they host UNC Wilmington Tuesday as we record this, um, and we'll travel to Michigan State for first Big Ten action Saturday at 1 p.m. Very, very exciting. It's kind of interesting, this uh, little little glimpse of Big Ten play that, that we'll be getting. Yeah, just a little bit, yeah. and then back to a little <laughs> bit of non-conference, and then Till we get into January, then it's, yep. yeah, then yep. it's the full stretch. So, and that's that's the case for uh, for men's basketball as well. Um, one game this week for the men's basketball team was a huge one, uh, the one that you circle on the calendar all year. A major chance for a statement win that Nebraska had against number fifteen Creighton, uh, but just a little overmatched in the in this one. Eighty nine to sixty was the final score. 
I was really close start to the game. Nebraska was running step for step with them for a while. Uh, Casey Tominaga scoring a lot early, but the signs were kind of there that not all the shots were falling for Nebraska. Yeah, they could not shoot, and then they could not defend the perimeter, and that is a bad combination. Uh, it was not great. Um, the vibes, though, uh, early on were incredible. Um, I haven't seen PBA like that since I've been back here. Um, it was really fun for like 11 minutes and then not so much. Yeah. And from a, an offensive standpoint, um, you know, Casey Tominaga, again, led the effort, but Nebraska just two for 22, 9% from three-point range. Tominaga included in those struggles from three. He was scoring a lot of twos, just a little atypical for his game. And then on the other hand, Creighton shot a massive 43 pointers, but made 14 of them, shot 46.4% from the field overall. And this was, you know, this is a game where Nebraska was always going to have to play some good defense to, to limit scoring overall. Yeah. And Baylor Shireman just went off. I think he attempted 17. Yeah, I was going to say it was like 20, I felt like. Yeah, was, yeah 17, which is a PBA record for a Nebraska opponent, and he made like six of them. And at times, he was completely unguarded. And you can't leave a guy like that all alone out there because he's going to make you pay. Yeah. And to me, this one was just kind of like the uh, – the all-around test, like, right, we'd, we'd seen games this year where Nebraska scored well, games where they played defense well, like, they were going to be tested on both ends, and there were good moments, but just came up a little bit short uh, in this one. So, first loss of the year, uh, now 7-1, and one, and of course, it's the, the little bit of Big Ten action that they get. First true road game of the year, Huskers go to Minnesota, that's 8 p.m. Wednesday night, and then we'll be back in Lincoln Sunday, 5.30 p.m., hosting Michigan State conference contender at PBA. A pretty, pretty tough two-game stretch here to start things off. Yeah, and it's a it's a down year for Michigan State, yep. so this would be a really good one for Nebraska to, to win. Obviously, they got to get through Minnesota at the barn first, but yeah, I, I was doing a just a quick cursory search at what this stretch looked like, um, thinking, oh, Michigan State's got to be ranked. Nope, they're not right now. So. Yeah, lost lost a couple matches matchups and yeah, I think they're they're James still receiving Madison, votes. I think, yeah, is one that they lost early in the year. Um, but yeah, shout out to the Dukes. What a great year for those <laughs> guys. <laughs> no kidding. So yeah, uh, some Big Ten action coming up. Both the men's and women's teams. Uh, those are your basketball updates. And of course, there's still some stuff going on in football. That, Every day uh, that of the never year. Ends. Yep. Every day of the year, there's something going on with football. And, you know, we, we have an update because last uh, last episode we talked about the off-season to-do list. Number one on that list, keep Tony White. That's secured. Yeah, they restructured his contract, um, gave him a massive raise uh, from $1 million to $1.6 million annually, which— Not bad. Not too yeah. shabby. <laughs> I take that. <laughs> uh, yeah, me too. Um, so that secures his status here. Obviously, as we talked about before, his name was being floated for several different jobs. Um, but he's staying here. Um, lots of coaches, players, commits, making jokes on social media about it. Oh, well, it's time for the Rolexes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that was a good one from uh, Pot Roast. But Dinner's on him, that's for sure. <laughs> no question. But yeah, so that was obviously the number one 
thing on Nebraska's to-do list was, you know, to keep him here or if they couldn't do that, then find a great replacement. Obviously, they don't have to do that, which is helpful for them and uh, all that they need to do this month. Uh, But yeah, great for Nebraska. Yeah, just from a consistency standpoint, having the same coordinator, you know, same recruiter, same guy in the building, so many, so many benefits to, to keeping White on staff, not having to deal with any sort of coaching search. So yeah, really important news uh, for their offseason. Uh, Tony White coming back, restructuring his contract. But of course, recruiting, transfer portal, roster movement, uh, that's all going on right now. That's the main thing that takes place in December in college football. A uh, little quick recruiting update. Uh, this happened <laughs> very soon after we recorded last week, so it's been a couple of days, but offensive lineman Grant Bricks joining the 2024 class, defensive lineman Carlin Jones decommitting. Uh, Husker coaches out on the road this week, so perhaps looking to find a, a different defensive line replacement for Jones there, but really good news with Bricks. I mean, he's one of the top top offensive tackle prospects in the whole country. Alabama was heavily, heavily looking at him for a while. Um, a, a really good future offensive lineman joining the team. Yeah, and they're definitely going to need offensive line depth, offensive line talent, just because as of right now, obviously it's not the same position, but Noreen Willie is definitely done and then still waiting on decisions from some other guys who were starters on the offensive line this year. Yep. But one starter that we do have a concrete decision from, uh, linebacker Nick Henrick, uh, made it official this week, will not be returning in 2024, uh, retiring from football, had a a couple of really tough season-ending injuries. Uh, But, you know, just kind of unfortunate because every time he was out there, I mean, he was an impact player, one of the the heart and souls of the Nebraska defense. Yeah, absolutely. I just, I wish him the best. Um, He was incredible to work with, incredible to watch. one of the best defenders when he was healthy. And I'm looking forward to seeing what he does next with his life. Yeah, great teammate too. All of his mm-hmm. teammates always just uh, had great things to say about him on the field, but in the meetings too, you know, one of those guys that had a, a great football knowledge passing on to everybody. So Nick Henrik not coming back next year and neither will tight end Jake Apple get the first Husker to officially enter the transfer portal. Uh, kind of interesting because a lot of schools have, had a lot of guys go in on Monday when it officially opened. Just the one, just Applegate for Nebraska. Yeah, and as we record, so far that's it. But I'm sure plenty things will change um, or not. I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Yeah, but Applegate, Lincoln, Lincoln Southeast, local kid. Yep. Um, was kind of an interesting one because recruited at linebacker, moved to offense, moved to tight end, and got on the field, got in a couple games this mm-hmm. year. Uh, but probably just a case where a lot of other players, you know, vying for playing time, uh, maybe a, a different path somewhere else might be best for him. So certainly wish him the best as he transfers, looks for a new school. But in terms of who Nebraska is looking to add in the portal, uh, number one on that to-do list that we talked about, it's got to be a quarterback. And there have been some names coming out this week uh, that Nebraska coaches potentially visiting with, uh, looking to evaluate their you know, interest level, whether it's a good fit or not. Uh, first name that we have, Kansas State's Will Howard Sr., who was a multi-year starter, uh, threw for 2,600 yards, 24 touchdowns, ran for another 350 and nine touchdowns, kind of that dynamic veteran uh, who you could really see coming in and just having a great year right away. Yeah, I have no qualms if that's the route that they go down. Obviously, Will Howard commands uh 
a lot of suitors right now. I was right going to say that. He's got a lot of their schools so, looking at him. Yeah. Um, we'll see how that one shakes out. But if they could uh, snag him, that would that would be a big win. If you wanted to not have to move very far, it would uh, it would be logical. But I mean, there there's a lot of big time, you know, SEC mm. uh, programs who'd be very interested in him as well. It'd be like the reverse Adrian Martinez. That's right, <laughs> absolutely. But Howard, not the only name uh, that Nebraska coaches are exploring. Uh, and a guy transferring in conference, Michigan State's Sam Levitt. A redshirt freshman who appeared in four games, including against Nebraska, threw a touchdown pass mm-hmm. against them. Uh, four seasons of eligibility remaining. He'd be an interesting one, too, because I think he also kind of fits a, a dual throw, dual threat mold that they want for this offense. And again, four seasons left. Yeah, and that's something that uh, Matt Rule uh, wants to prioritize. He doesn't want to bring guys in, uh, especially at the quarterback position, uh, just with one year left. He wants to be able to work with them for longer. You look at all of the guys um, who are up for the Heisman this year, for example, um, transfers um, and with a couple years in that system, right? So not to say that whoever comes here as a transfer quarterback is going to win the Heisman, but that's just the trend that's been uh, around uh, the country is getting those transfer quarterbacks, but having multiple years of eligibility with them. Yeah, that's something that maybe we forget about a little bit in this portal era that like, hey, it's hard to like go into a new place and produce right away if you're not, you know, a veteran who has three, four years of experience. Yeah, I covered that exact situation uh, when I was covering LSU with Joe Burrow. Uh, I covered his first year at LSU and it was serviceable, you know, nine wins. Um, But that next year when they brought in, you know, an additional, basically a second offensive coordinator and all of the receivers and tight ends and running backs had that extra year of working together. You saw what happened. Yeah. What he didn't, he didn't throw for 50, 50 touchdown passes that first year. He did not. No. (laughs) Took him, took him a little bit of time to get there. Certainly. So that's kind of the the landscape that they're looking at. And a third name uh, emerging a little bit today, some interest in Baylor's Blake Shapin uh, junior with two seasons left to play through for 2,100 yards, 13 touchdowns, three picks in eight games last season. He's a little bit more interesting because not as much of a, a rushing ability as I would say the other two guys have. Yeah, but, you know, it. as long as the guy fits the system that they want, even if they're not as a dynamic of a runner, I think they'll figure that out. Yeah, they'll adjust. Um, mm-hmm. The most important thing for them is decision-making, ball security. Yeah, I was going to say, don't turn the ball over. That's got to be number one. Yeah, Yeah. so that's, I think, higher on their list um, because what do you value? Not throwing picks, not fumbling the ball. Absolutely. And they'll figure the rest out. And I think, too, with this transfer portal discussion, too, like, there's dozens of other like really good quarterbacks out there. Like the quarterback market this offseason seems to be incredibly active. Lots and mm-hmm. lots of starting quarterbacks out there. Yeah, it's going to be a fun carousel to see where everybody ends up. Yep, certainly the uh, the dominoes will start to fall here the next couple of weeks. Um, any updates on transfer portal recruiting? Uh, these big matchups coming up, of course, we'll have them for you at journalstar.com as always. And that'll do it for today's Life in the Red. Uh, Thanks again to all of you listeners and viewers. We appreciate it as always. And we'll see you next week. Oh, 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 oh.
you need parts, O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, oh. 